0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This? with Junior Renee Bobrun. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you are a new listener, I'd like to welcome you to this ongoing conversation, which is now in its 41st episode. We started this conversation uh, back in February of this year, and it's been heading, getting steam and gaining steam, you know, uh, since then. And I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity to speak to you directly as a new listener for my returning this listeners and reoccurring listeners. You know how grateful I am that you have lent me your ears. Once again, you could be doing anything. You could be listening to anyone else, but you have taken a moment out of your day, out of your evening, your nights, and you're listening to me. That is much appreciated. I thank you. Thank you very much. A little bit of uh, upkeep and housekeeping I want to do before we get started. First off, this show is available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Podcasts, etc. Audible. Um, if you guys have access to Apple Podcasts, if you guys have access to iTunes, if you guys have access to Amazon Podcasts, please leave a review. Rate the show, the more you rate it or if you haven't rated it yet, please rate it, please leave a review that ups the algorithm, which means if someone out there is just randomly searching for some content and they look up maybe, you know, society, culture, philosophy, politics, if there is activity on this particular show where people are rating it and reviewing it, the algorithm is going to push it up. The the artificial intelligence and the computers that run these little websites and streaming sites are going to push, you know, this shows visibility up and make it more available and more visible to those that are searching for content like this. I want to bring more people to this tribe, to, to this ongoing conversation. The easiest way, the cheapest way, the most expeditious way to do it is through rating it, reviewing it, and obviously sharing it. But obviously, the people who have listened, take a moment out. If you have to put this show on pause right now, if you're a recurring listener and you've already decided that you enjoy this show, you enjoy the content, you enjoy this ongoing conversation, take a moment right now and rate it. Uh, Leave five stars, four stars, one star Rate it. If you hate it, say you hate it. If you like it, say you like it. If you love it, say you love it. You don't have to say anything. You can say, hey, it's great. Love the show. Great show. That's it. It doesn't have to be a soliloquy. It doesn't have to be an essay. You know, just write the minimum amount of words if you want. But what it does is it's, it's very important to the growth of the show. So it's something that I haven't a lot of people have told me June uh remind the listeners to uh to to do this and I always forget because I want to go into the topic that I'm doing but I realize how important that is um and I've spoken to s- other creators and they told me it's very very important that people out there are are rating and subscribing and such as sharing the show so please like I said if there's someone in your life that you feel would benefit from this content share the show with them um definitely rate it subscribe apple podcasts and itunes has a rating system i don't know why spotify hasn't created one yet i don't know if they have or not because some people that listen to my show listen to it on um uh what do you call it uh, uh you know spotify and on samsung phones and android phones but apple Podcasts does have a website applepodcast.com i think everyone is um eligible to use that or can use it or is compatible with all the other phones i don't know i've always i've used iphones over the last couple years but i remember having itunes on my android or something like that i think i don't remember but in any case please do i it's definitely appreciated and it's a way to grow the channel organically grow the show organically through the actual listeners not just by savvy marketing or, or 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 gimmicks or shenanery stuff like that it's just it's it's you to me It's me to you and then you doing your, you know, part to a certain degree. Anyway, top of that, I've said it before in the last episode, I am running a fundraiser drive for the uh, victims of the earthquake that occurred in Haiti a couple of months ago. I'm taking donations for this show as well as donations for that. So you can reach me on Cash App. Uh, that's a dollar sign, J-U-N-B-E-A-U, or on Venmo, which is uh, uh, J-U-N-B-E-A-U. So both are at June Bo, Um truncated version of my first and last name. And um, if you want to leave some a donation for the show, a couple of tokens, I'd appreciate it. You can definitely write in the subline if you want all of it to go to Haiti relief, or if you want some of it to go to the show, or whatever all you want. Whatever you want to do, you let me know, and that's how it will be used. As you guys know, I'm Haitian American, born and raised in New York City. Both of my parents are Caribbean and are of Haitian descent. Haiti is very close to my heart. It's a place that I've visited on several, several occasions. It's one of the places that feels like home. Very few places on the planet. I've, I've traveled throughout the world, uh, and um, it's a place that is very near and dear to me, and the people are very near and dear to me. So, and they are a resilient people, a strong people, an authentic people, and um, whatever little I can do to help, and whatever little you can do to help, trust me, it'll go a long way, believe me. Um, I can be reached at whoseworldisthis21 at gmail.com. My Instagram is whoseworldisthis2021 on Instagram. So definitely, if you have any suggestions, questions, concerns, leave an email, uh, a comment, or, or go on the Instagram. Hit me in my DM. Hit me in the uh, a post. I post sometimes the, the cover of the show Sort of like I screenshot the cover and I post it and I just put it out there. That channel is growing slowly but surely, you know. Um, Also, as as I do in many of the uh, beginning of many episodes, I'd like you guys to go check out onelavi.com. That's O-N-E-L-A-V-I.com, onelavi.com for your vitamin and supplement needs. In the age where we're all speaking about our immune systems and herd immunity and natural immunity, et cetera, et cetera, and some of the foods that we eat in the contiguous United States is bereft of actual nutritional value, you may feel full, but you're not full of nutrients. You're possibly full of something else, but hey. Um, so it's very, very important that you supplement with vitamins and the way One La Vie sources their vitamins and their sources and the companies that they work with, it's high quality products with a with a high density of the actual active ingredient that you want. So if you want vitamin D or vitamin C or you want uh, manuka honey and certain organic things, it has a high rate of that particular active ingredient, uh, 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 a high content, I mean, uh, of that act active ingredient. You might want to check it out. Right now, I'm drinking a little lemon water and I have a little bit of that One La Vie honey in it. As we speak, little lukewarm lemon water with a little honey in it, just because. No cold, no sniffles, no anything, just because. This is the first show that I'm doing in the morning, actually. I've never done a morning show. Every single time you guys hear me, it's a nighttime show. It's most likely sundown between 9 p.m. and about 2 a.m. I do my shows. I wait for my day to be over and... Sometimes I'll mull over some ideas and I'll let that while I'm doing a lot of other things and then I'll do a show. This is the first time I'm doing a morning show. It's weird because sun's coming through the door. It's strange. I mean, through the window. Also, check out the Lenore Batista journals, Chavez House Publishing on Amazon, Chavez House Publishing. If you want to take a pause or if you want to look at your phone right now, go to Amazon, put in Chavez House Publishing, C-H-A-V-E-S. You go look. You can scroll, you can find fitness journals, dance journals, journals for manifesting the reality that you want out of life. Um, our fitness journals, we have everything from um, the amount of sleep that you have, um, you, you receive the night before, the reps that you've, the workouts, the reps, the carbs, the protein intake. You, this journal is thorough. I don't care if you're a hardcore fitness buff or you're someone who's just starting out and you just want to create structure. I implore you, male or female, we have the male version, the female version. If you are into dance, contemporary, African, ballet, whatever it is, we have dance journals. So you can put what you worked on, what you're doing today, your routines. We also have notebooks with different flags, with different uh, um, adorned with different flags from different nationalities, different countries. We have the United States flag. We have the Statue of Liberty. We have a Parisian flag notebook as well with the Eiffel Tower during the spring day we also have a Haiti notebook which I think is on the second page of Chavez House Publishing and that proceeds from that particular notebook is going to go to Haiti relief as well it's a beautiful notebook it's adorned with the f- Haitian flag on it it says Sac Passe on the front which is Haitian Creole for what's up or what's going on with you sort of like a slang that everyone uses like hey Sac Passe you know um, so definitely check out Chavez House check out One La Vie Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or Apple or wherever you can rate, review, subscribe. Email me at whoseworldisthis21 at gmail. Subscribe and follow us on Instagram at whoseworldisthis2021. All right, if you're a new listener, I like to start off the show with a title and that title becomes the reoccurring or the, or the actual theme of the show. The topic, it's what we constantly go back to and, and circle back around to is that title. Um, and my reoccurring listeners know that. The last episode I did, I was just kind of ranting. And I said that in the beginning. I prefaced it by saying, hey, listen, um, this isn't going to be the same. It's not going to be the same, you know, title, structure, and my, my musings, and I'm just going off on a tangent. I just you know you know where I have a, a particular structure. I kind of went in a bunch of different directions because so much is going on in the world and I've said it before that this show is not about and this conversation is not about just picking the low-hanging fruit of what the news tells us is going on or what or what's considered news, you know that thing that's out there they're sort of designed to dilute and disinform and distract you and disturb you because when you turn on the news what leads the news what leads huh oh in the news today such and such there was an 18 car pileup. there was a murder there was a shooting there was a car crash there was a this there was a that that's how you're led into the news what is that telling you that's telling your neurons it's 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 <laughs> neurologically it's telling you that the world is a dangerous place the news in and of itself informs us that the world is woo, scary scary Remember what Albert Einstein said, if you go back to my first episode, Genesis, you know, it's a decision that we all make whether we live in a hostile or peaceful universe. And the news gets us to distrust our neighbor, distrust the outside world. They have us believe that what they tell us through their glass is more important than what we see throughout our own windows. Be careful of which glass you see the world out of. Be wary of that. Which glass you use to see the world. Are you using your phone screen plastic screen you're using that televisions plasma plastic hd screen are you using your windows outside not your windows pc not your windows laptop not your windows desktop are you going outside your window outside of your car window is the world that this quote-unquote news telling you about consistent with your world that you see outside your window if not you're gonna have to choose the truth so today I alluded to from the last episode that this episode was going to be about money. <sighs> Not exactly finances, but money. Why money? Oh, because money is uh is a is a very important topic today, isn't it? What do you mean? Huh? What do I mean? Well, let's think about it. A lot of people out there, and we spoke about it uh, um a little bit. There are people out there that are doing things for money right now that they don't want to do. <laughs> because money is the medium that we wi- that we use right now, right? By definition, it's a it's a currency medium, the current medium of exchange in the form of coins and uh, uh bank rolls and bank notes collectively. That's what we're using collectively to make these decisions on what to buy, what to purchase, what to save, what to invest. We're using this medium. We've agreed upon a certain banknote or a coin to make these things happen and people are doing a lot of things that they don't want to do for money. Right now, let's get specific. Let's talk about certain people are asked to take to inject certain things in their body that they don't want to, and I'm using the word ask liberally because they're not being asked. They're being forced. They're told You either get jabbed in your arm or you're out of a job. So we are now in 2021 in the jab or job paradigm. That's where we are. And the only reason why many people that I know personally are getting jabbed is to keep their job. And why is it because they love their job so much? They love this thing that they do from eight to five, nine to five, eleven to seven. First shift, second shift, third shift. Uh, it, it, is it because they love their vocation so much, or that job so much that they're willing to do put something in their body that they that they uh, wholly disagree with? Hmm. No. It's because that job does what? Provides what? Money. That current medium of exchange. That money does what? You use it to do what? Medium of exchange, you go to the supermarket, you give them the money, they give you what? Food. You give it to your landlord. You give your landlord this money, and they give you what? They allow you to stay in the home, stay in a domicile, provide shelter for yourself, right? So that job is money. You don't love it so much that you would put this in your body. If it was just a job, if you were just volunteering, you would say, yeah, no, <laughs> I think I'm good. So now I want to ask the question, a question that goes back to, one would say, biblical times. The question, what is money the root of? Because if you ask people during biblical times, money is the root of all what? Money is the root of all Evil. I think Timothy uh, in the book of Timothy, it says for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows, which in translation means that chasing money is going to lead to many, many sorrows. The Bible says money is not just the root of some evils. It says it's the root of all evil, do you agree with that? That's what I wanna know. Because it's something that I, I've, I've thought about for many years. Uh, I remember I used to tell my brother back when I was a teenager, live, and we lived in New York, and he's a couple of years younger than me, and I would speak to him about what was going on in my world, you know, just to, just to prepare him of what he was going to see later on. And I said to him, um, <laughs> not so humbly, I said one of the things that I appreciated about myself is that you never know the difference between me when I'm broke and me when, I'm, when I have a, a lot of money. You don't know the difference between me when I, oh, I'm struggling, I'm minus 100, or I'm up 1,000, or I'm up 10,000. You don't know. It's the same attitude. It's the same principles. It's the same value system. It's the same ethos. What I would do down minus 100 is the same kind of things I would do up 10,000. The only difference is when I'm up 10,000, I am more generous financially with people around me. Obviously, minus 100, I'm not. But you don't know the difference. Am I still giving of my heart, my spirit, myself to those around me? Yeah. Am I walking around with bags under my eyes and wondering, oh, my God, how am I going to get money? How am I going to do this? I'm broke. No. For whatever reason... I never looked at myself based on how much money I had never did many people do so that's why if you ask me do I agree with the biblical uh, philosophy because many people do many people treat money as if it's some sort of evil in and of itself that the acquisition of it the 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 chasing of it the the the, the 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 waking up thinking about how much more of it you can get is somehow inherently evil. So, based on Timothy, he says, you know, pierce themselves through with many sorrows, you know, while coveting after money. Do you agree with that? I don't know if I agree with that. You know what I think? I don't think money is the root of all evil. Why? Because money in and of itself As as the current medium of exchange or the predominant medium of exchange, money was only introduced to the world 5,000 years ago. Human beings or Homo sapiens, Neanderthals, Chromaniens, whatever, we have been around for about 50,000 years. Mesopotamia is considered to be one of the first places to actually have money. The Mesopotamian shekel, as it's called, right? It's 5,000 years old. That's not a long time considering human history goes back tens of thousands of years. Are we going to say that as soon as money or the current exchange of money was introduced to the human experience, that's when evil was introduced? That's not true. We've, I've, I've read many stories about early man and the things that they do. Is it due to something being inherently evil or bad? Or maybe it was a lack of evolution and understanding. But somehow, some way throughout history, man has been able to evolve by working together, regardless if there was money around or not. Evil was created. Evil was done, whether there was money or not. There's a philosopher. I can't remember his name. Um, and I was reading something from him some years back. And he said something that I thought was very interesting. He said, um, it's also true that there were the concept of money, if the concept of money were abolished, the concept of evil wouldn't just disappear along with it. In short, money is the root of some evil, but not all. I tend to agree with that statement. Money may be the root of some evil, but not all. But I still disagree with that. You know what I think? You know what I think? I think money exposes who you actually are. I think money is the most accurate metric to see how steadfast a person will hold on to their principles or abandon their principles given their monetary situation. That's what I think money is. Money allows us to see who and what we are, how we spend it, how we acquire it, how we invest it, how generous we are or not. Money in and of itself is nothing. How we view ourselves with it. How quickly we are to move the goalpost in our systems and beliefs. If someone were to hand you this. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, are you going to still remain the same person? If someone said, hey, June, I'll give you $100,000 if you club this person over the head. And I say, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I may need a $100. I may be broke, but if you tell me, hey, go do that for $100,000, i am not doing that. Yeah. Why? Because, you know, that's against what I believe. And my belief is my belief and my ethos and my principles are more important than money. Do you understand? So for me, money is not the root of all evil. And the reason why I'm speaking like this now is because the last episode, I was speaking a lot about what I feel that the new employee should do, the new, the new worker, the laborer in, a, in the United States that's dealing with uh, all of this angst based on the things that they feel they have to do to keep the money rolling in. And so we're going to have not a master class, but a 101 class on arbitration and collective bargaining with your employer in this new era. In this new era, maybe changing the work day, changing how you view money versus your time, because time you cannot get back. You can get a refund on goods. You can get a tax return. You can go someplace not like something. Go get your money back. The one thing you cannot get back is your time. And the worker has been giving away their time, even with an hourly wage, even with a substantial salary. You, me, everyone who's been a worker at some point in time has been practically giving away their time. Now, if you were willing to give away your time for free as a volunteer, that's one thing. But when you have decided to go someplace, to be a professional, to work for a wage, you have to ask yourself at that point, what does your time mean to you? I'm telling you that acquiring money and acquiring a lot of it And getting a lot of it in and of itself is not evil. What you're willing to do, how you're willing to acquire the money, the things that you are willing to do. If you're willing to abandon your principles of goodwill and fellowship to do no harm to others just for money, you, in turn, are that person regardless. That's who you already are. Money was just One of the catalysts, but it was already inherent in you to do that. It's not the root of all evil. I want everybody out there to take a moment and do not be ashamed of saying I am willing, ready, willing and able today to monetize and capitalize on my talents. That my life is a negotiation day in and day out. That's what it is. No matter how many times my boss tells me we're a family or my corporate employer or the system that I'm in. Remember, your job is to take care of you and yours, but not to abandon your principles, your ethics and your ethos because of it. So me, I can tell who a person is based on how they spend their money and based on how they look when they're broke or they're up. Hmm? There have been times where I was super broke. I mean, super broke. And I'm on the phone cracking jokes with friends. I don't know how I'm going to do this, pay the car off, the rent. You know, the rent is due in eight days and you're saying, yeah, I don't have any of it. (laughs) It's eight days away, but yet I'm still laughing. And I'm not laughing because I'm irresponsible. I'm not laughing because I'm uh, 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 just uh, not taking it seriously or taking my situation lightly. No, it's because I'm like, I'm going to get it. That situation doesn't define me. There's a sense of urgency, but I compartmentalize it. I compartmentalize it. That's what I've done well throughout my life. I want to talk about this because of where we are in the world today, where we are in the world. I'm thinking about all the people and all of my friends who are saying, June, I got to do this and I got to do that. And I'm saying to them, no, you don't. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm like, no, you don't. No you don't. How 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 steadfast, how important is are your ethics to you? Oh, June, I have a family. I got this mortgage. I got this thing. Yeah. I get it. But you're calling me because you know me and you know that, you know, regardless of what is due or what I have to pay or what my expenses are, you know, I I value standing on my square. More important than any financial gain because I feel that's what I'm supposed to be using my upper mammalian brain for if not for that then for what every single creature on the planet has a society every single creature on the planet has a community. What, I don't want to say what separates us, but I want to say what distinguishes the human experience is our ability to create these value systems and decide to stick to them and evolve from them. You know, when you look at an alligator and you go to the zoo, that alligator has been doing that same thing for millions of years. That's the same reptile that was around during the Paleolithic age. It ain't evolved not a bit. It's the same lizard. It's not the same for us. We evolve. We grow. We use these upper, this expansive brain of ours where our hands get smaller. Why? Because we don't have to use them as much because we're using our minds. We have these little ears. They can't hear very far. We have these little eyes. We can't see well at night, these eyes. We don't have the kind of vision of cats or dogs. Our sense of smell is quite limited. What we have is our minds, what we have as a species is different. We're not particularly fast. We can't outrun anything. You understand? Because we're living a different kind of life. We're not outrunning predators. We don't have to see at night because we have to out. We have to look out for all the the dangers that go. We, as 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 far as. In the, we're apex predators only because of our ability to use our minds to create the technologies that's able to subjugate everything else. The other species on the planet, as well as our own people in our own species. We're trying to tame the planet right now. And the planet is striking back, but that's another conversation. But that's the reason why we're apex predators. We're not stronger than, a, than the biggest dog. We're not we're not faster than cats we're not faster than dogs or frogs or anything we can't fly we can't do a thing this body of ours is just a vessel for our principles for our ethos our ethics our morality that's what this body is it's nothing let's play I've been dog sitting a a, a a a dog in in our community uh a young lady one of our neighbors she works very hard and she has this 12-month-old golden doodle named Winston. This dog is the fun, just the coolest, happiest dog you'll ever meet. I lost, me and my fiance, we lost our dog in 2019, Uh, Emma. She was 11 years old. Uh, Yeah, Emma was very, very, very near and dear. I wasn't a pet person before Emma. I had a cat, you know, just, eh, all right. Friends of mine would lose dogs. Girls I knew, they'd lose a dog. I'd be like, man, that's messed up. Um, why don't you get another one? And they'd be like, June, why are you so insensitive? You don't just replace your dog. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I was like, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, man, I like animals. I, I'm an animal person. I like animals, but I didn't have that bond, that feverish, fervent bond that people had with animals. I didn't have it until Emma. And Emma was there with me, taking care of something outside of yourself day in and day out. I have to feed her, you gotta walk her, you gotta bathe her, you gotta make sure she uses the bathroom, all of these things. You don't realize how much of yourself you're investing in someone something else. My money, my time, my energy, everything. And um so we're babysitting Winston, right? And Winston's only twelve months old, you know, and I and, and he's a baby, he's a pup. But he's a fifty five pound pup. And me and you know, Winston were wrestling. And I'm like, yo, this this yo, this dog is strong, man. And, you know, his mouth is open, and I'm just looking at all the fangs and all the teeth. And I'm saying, if Winston wasn't this friendly, Winston can take me out. I'm almost 200 pounds. This dog is only 55 pounds, but he will tear me to shreds. But yet he's on a leash, and he's listening to me. I'm not stronger than Winston. Winston can tear me apart. But yet, Winston is on the on the end, on the receiving end of a leash. I pull the leash, and I say, "We going left, Winston. You going left." I decide when Winston goes outside. I decide when Winston comes back inside. I decide when Winston goes outside to do this, that, and the third. And when he eats, and when he doesn't eat, that's me. That's the human being. So when I hear these humans talking about what they can't, 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 I'm going, "What are you talking about? We've subjugated the whole entire." Every species on the planet, except bacteria and 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 the viruses, are at our control in in our control. Every creature that's stronger than us, bigger than us, more ferocious than us, is either extinct or we put them in a zoo or we have them on a preserve. We put them where we want. But yet, I notice when we're dealing with each other, we're acting as if, oh my gosh, I, I have to do it. and and then money now. How you view money? versus your ethos, your principles, your ethics now starts to play a part. Now, now is the conversation. It's like, oh, wait a minute. There's only been 5,000 years of money, but there've been 40, 50,000 years of human beings. Seems as if we're allowing money, we're allowing money to rule over our evolution. How we're evolving We're allowing money to predominate our thoughts. Why is it that we've been around this long and we haven't evolved past being overly concerned on a day-to-day basis with our basic necessities? We are still overly concerned. Our thoughts are still predominated by food, clothing, shelter, how we are going to feed and clothe and shelter ourselves. When you go on Instagram, or you go on YouTube, hey, do you want to make this much more money? You need to have four, five, six, seven, eight streams of income. Are you tired of being a lackey as your job? And you're going, "Is is this what it's all about? All this time on this planet, we haven't answered certain essential existential questions about life on earth, life in the universe, what it is to be human, what is life, what is love, what is death. We are still asking those questions, but yet, Instead of us spending our time and our days asking the broader questions, we're still wondering about yo man, how am I gonna feed myself? I got I got this credit card bill, I gotta pay the cell phone, I gotta oh my gosh, this car insurance and this this credit card bill, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's what we're doing. Why what's going on? How come we haven't evolved past this point? I'm gonna say something. We have allowed money as a society. We've allowed money to stunt our intellectual growth. We've allowed money, the medium of exchange, these current mediums of exchange, to stunt our intellectual growth, our philosophical growth. Okay? We are too preoccupied with this Oh, how are we going to, how are we going to, this idea of scarcity, okay? Thousands and thousands of years ago, they weren't printing money. Money was made out of what? Scarce metals. Its value was only in its scarcity, its inherent unavailability. And the fact that there wasn't an abundance or an infinite supply of it because there was only a finite supply of said metal said this, said that, that's why. People would trade livestock. A cow was considered a big commodity. Why? There weren't a trillion cows. There were only so many cows. So if you traded a cow for something else, that was considered a gift, not only a gift, but something that was very prized and valuable due to its what? Scarcity. We live in a country that prints money. It prints money. It's not based on anything. It's not a metal. It's not a meteorite. It's not based it's not it's not, we're not trading animals. It's not it's not it's not made out of some animal bone that has some sort of other redeemable qualities. It's a piece of paper. Um it it and they print it. They print it and they burn the ones that they don't use if it's in excess. So they don't have they don't have a uh, 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 too much in supply to create inflation. Guess what? They print this. It's not real. It's as real as you make it. Money is leverage. It's not evil. Money is an ability to leverage your situation. You go to school to get more leverage to get more money. The education gives you the leverage to get money. You go to a job, you get more experience. That experience, you use it as leverage to get money. It's leverage we're speaking about here, people. It's leverage. How much leverage do you have as a worker? You have more leverage than you give yourself credit for. If you're looking for your leaders to understand what you're going through, if you're looking for your presidents and you're and you're looking for a benevolent boss. (sighs) Let me know how that's working out for you. You're waiting for your Joseph R. Biden. To repeal his executive order telling you do this or else, despite the fact that there may be evidence to the contrary of these mandates. However, I'll leave that up to you guys to do your own research. All I'm saying is what you've been reading and what you've been hearing has been weighted in one direction. There is a lot of information and a lot of data out there for those of you out there that don't want to do certain things. <clears throat> there are many medical professionals, virologists, bacteriologists, scientists, surgeons, nurses, doctors that are in the same position that you are right now. And they were on the front lines of certain things going on in our world that we have not been on the front lines. We may know someone who's passed away or we may know several people that pass away. But that doesn't change the fact that we are still ignorant to the sciences. We know what they tell us. And if one doctor is telling me to do this and the other one is telling me not to do this, you're going to say, I'm going to weigh it based on my own experiences. You're going to say, I've seen certain things firsthand and I'm going to do it. Others are going to say, I haven't seen any of those things firsthand. And based on my own intrinsic knowledge, my common sense or whatever the case, I'm going to make other decisions. Other people are going to make other decisions. That's fine. But now you are being coerced and you can't ask your leaders for help. Your leaders are inept. Your president is somewhat inept. I remember I was reading this book, this book years ago. Um, I remember reading it. I remember buying this book years ago, reading some of it, and then all of a sudden getting to college years later. And now it was assigned reading. And it was Alexis de Tocqueville's Democracy in America. Very important book. Very important book. Frenchman in 1831 comes to visit America and visits the United States because America was this enigma to the rest of the world. France wanted to send this man out there and see, tell us what's going on in this new quote unquote democracy in the new world, in America, the new land. Tell us. And he came out here and he he wrote a comprehensive book that I feel should be on every single parent's shelf, every single kid over the age of 13, should be reading it, read it before high school, read it in college, have it on your bookshelf, highlight it, mark it up, write notes on it. It's a very important book. It's a book that I'm going to revisit. I started reading a lot of the books in my collection over the last month or so. And um, that's a book that I'm going to get to. You know, I bought a new copy because some of my other books have gotten lost in transit and I've given some away. But he said something that was very important. And I, and I love this statement. And um, he was speaking about um, leaders in America. He was just speaking about presidents. This is in 1831, where in 2021, you do the math, Almost 200 years ago, right? This man says, I do not know if the people of the United States would vote for superior men if they ran for office, but there can be no doubt that such men do not run. Did you hear that? I do not know if the people of the United States would vote for superior men if they ran for office, but there can be no doubt that such men do not run. You know what that means? Your leadership is mediocre. Think about what occurred last year during the presidential debates around this time. What was going on? We had Joseph R. Biden versus Donald J. Trump. Are those superior men? Who? Huh? If you had to pick men or women of a superior morality, Superior principles, superior intellect, knowledge and leadership ability. If you had to pick from anyone in the in the contiguous United States, anyone, male, female, young or old, would Joseph Biden? And Donald Trump be the best of the best. Would be would they be the superior individuals that you would pick? Over all the superior individuals that you you may know or 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 have heard of. Would you pick them? I would venture a guess that the answer is no. So, Alexis de Tocqueville, Frenchman, visiting the United States in 1831, 190 years ago says, I do not know if the people of the United States would vote for superior men if they ran for office, but there can be no doubt that no such men have run. Those men, so what is that saying? Power is attracting the worst and corrupting the best. Okay? So you cannot ask your quote-unquote political leaders because the superior people out there in the world are doing other things. They're taking care of their families. Maybe they're making impacts in their com- great impacts in their community. And they feel that the compromises that they would have to make, here we go again, that metric, to gain the power, prestige, and office, they would have to give up maybe some of their principles and ethics and that metric that they use to guide themselves. That is the superior man. That is the superior woman. And I'm telling you right now that your political officials do not reflect superior characteristics or superior principles. Therefore. Therefore. You have to count on your own superior principles and ethics to get you through this. And you have to find people of like minds and you have to band together enough of the hyper-individualism right now that Americans like to have. You may have to start working as a dot, 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 collective. You may have to start working communally and say, hey, you feel the same way I feel? How passionate are you? How dedicated are you? How fervent are you? How cemented are you in these beliefs? This is my level. This is yours. We need to get together. What can we do? How do we marshal our resources together? Which could be people, intellectual, equity, knowledge, money, resource, whatever. How do we marshal our resources together? This is what people are going to have to do. We are in a new normal, people. A lot of these American, American people who love to speak about freedom freedom and equality we live in a free land i'm a capitalist i'm a this i'm a this that and a third i'm not in a socialist country i don't want to live where the government is telling me what to do and telling me what to eat and how to Uh uh-oh whoa wait wait a minute if you're in socialist Europe right now and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't want to deal with those. You know, the Americans are like the wild, wild west. You know, they have to pay a million dollars for their health care and this, that and the third and everything is up for sale. They'll sell their souls just to get a couple of extra coins in their pocket. That doesn't happen here. Our government is a benevolent government. They do. You know, they help us. They, uh Oh, there are two hundred and fifty thousand people in the streets in Rome about a month ago protesting, saying the government's overreaching. Oh, you didn't mind that government overreach before. But now it's an overreach. OK. Now, in this country, oh, we're free. I'm free, I'm free to do as I please. I'm free and freedom, 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 what, really? How free are you feeling right now? When you can't go to the store you want to go to, this place you have to show certain new identifications and things of that nature. I told people about this. I told a friend of mine. I told a friend of mine. The American worker has gotten complacent. The American voter has gotten complacent. The American voter and worker has become lazy. What I mean by that, I don't mean lazy at work. Productivity is up 70% since the 70s. And your salary has only gone up 17% since then. But that's another conversation. Or it's going to be later on in this conversation. So I'm not speaking about lazy in terms of the work ethic. I'm speaking about how you work at getting leverage in the marketplace. When you were taking to the streets, remember, go back and listen to our Labor Day Remember, I think a September is like episode where I speak about how passionate workers were about dignity, how passionate workers were about being treated like a whole three dimensional human being in the 30s, the 20s, 30s and 40s in this country. We had the bloodiest labor war between employees and ownership in the first world in the 30s and 40s even europe didn't go through this in the 30s and 40s our late for us to get our 8 hour work day which is excessive down from a 16 hour work day was bloody to get more wages was bloody Your bankers, your entrepreneurs, people who have their names on banks and the names on streets and the names on on foundations. Right now, we have to spend $1,000 a plate and wear your tuxedo. Those same bankers were hiring gun thugs and off-duty police officers to kill and injure and intimidate workers that were looking for a living wage. Okay? You may not know this, ladies and gentlemen, but you have been at war and you've been losing. Business is not benevolent in the United States. It's not cuddly and kind and friendly. I don't care how many talking lizards they use in their commercials and how many clown faces they use. It is a cold game and it is war. It's the reason why I worked on Wall Street. Why is it that a Wall Street executive or a Wall Street salesman that I worked for, a Wall Street stockbroker, a hedge fund manager I used to work for, why is it that you have the 48 laws of power on your desk? Why are you reading Machiavelli, The Prince? Why are you reading The Art of War by Sun Tzu? Huh? You're not reading Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Huh? This is not what you're doing. Business is bloodless war, but oftentimes it costs lives. It takes lives. You're at war, ladies and gentlemen. You didn't know it. Every time you go to work, you didn't know it, but you've been at war. I've known it for many, many years. And the only way that um, the, the only thing that kept me sane was reading history and reading the books and reading the journals and the old newspapers when I'd go to the library and I would see, oh, yeah, I'm not crazy. Yeah, this, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Jamaica, Queens, New Yorker, and I understand levels of antagonism that many, many people don't know. New York is a contentious, it can be an obnoxious place where everyone is fighting for a bite of that big apple. And then there's a street element. So I learned who was an adversary and who was an ally quickly. Oftentimes for me, it was a matter of life or death. So there were certain elements and energies that I had to identify quickly. And when I started working, I took a sniff like Wolverine and X-Men. And I'm like, wait a minute. Some of those same proclivities are in this cubicle. The street corner and the cubicle have similarities that no one told me about until I read about it. No one educated me on that. I had to read my, I had to go, wait a minute. I'd come home and tell my mom, yo, this this is, this is, this. I'm not being treated right. There's something going on. I'm being, you know, I know when I'm being, you know, pushed around a bit or being, or someone is attempting to leverage me and lean on me. And like, I'm being leaned on. My mom didn't understand a word I was saying. She was like, June, keep your head down, do your job. And I was like, nah. And when I started reading about, the blood that was shed for the worker in this country to get their dignity, to get rights, to get, to have the right to collectively bargain and arbitrate and negotiate on their behalfs with their employers, saying, listen, I'm working here. I don't work for you. I'm working with you. I have a job to do as well. And the, and the boss man is saying, nah, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. You work for me. That's it. End of story. You have no leverage. The leverage is be happy you have a job. Take this check and that's it. The more I make, the more I make. You got your salary. Good for you. I may have made all of this money because of you. But yeah, here's this gift card to Pizza Hut. Enjoy yourself. Whoa. Right? So I'm saying to the American worker right now, look in your past. For some instructions on how to move in your present to create the future that you prefer. That's what I'm saying. You don't like this day. You don't like what's going on. You reserve the right to capitalize and monetize your time. Negotiate, negotiate your time. This is going to be a two to three part series. There's so much I want to say, but this is sort of an introduction to it. I really want to talk more. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue speaking, but I just want to say that because now now as I'm conversing with you all, I'm realizing. How much more I want to say and have to say on this particular subject. So money isn't the root of all evil people. But it is the most accurate metric as to who you are and what you're willing to do for it. Or what or how much are you for sale? What is your sale price? What is the sale price on your ethos, principles, moralities, regardless? I'm, I'm using the jabber job situation just as an aside, just, as, just an, as an example. But there are many people out there that will rob, steal, kill, murder, embezzle. There's a difference between a kid who's stealing an apple from a grocery stand because he's hungry and a difference between a hedge fund manager embezzling retirement funds of little old ladies just so they can put a couple of extra inches on their yacht, i.e. Bernie Madoff. That's a sociopath. That man was a sociopath regardless if money was the current medium of exchange that you could exchange it for luxury goods that you equate with who you are. The wealthy keep track. Oftentimes some of the what I call nouveau riche keep track of where they are based on what they can quote unquote afford. Right. Not how much they've evolved, but what they can afford. So now all of a sudden putting an extra nine inches on your yacht. Which which you're kind of using Freudian in a Freudian sense to add extra nine inches to something else. But, we'll, you know, you want to put an extra nine inches on your yacht that's going to cost you another eight, nine million dollars to move the fuselage of this and the hull and whatever. And guess what? You got to and steal more money. So there's a big difference. Bernie had all the money in the world. Wasn't enough. I want all of it. There's a difference. That's a sociopath. That's a narcissist. That's a disease. That's evil. You're a thief. You're a thief for theft's sake. Okay? And scarcity can make people do certain things that they wouldn't do before. But that is an example of what I'm speaking about when when we can speak about money money being a metric. It's not the root. That man was that man already. Money can represent something metaphysical in our lives. It's a belief system because of that current, that exchange. Some people are kindergarten teachers. You don't think a kindergarten teacher wants to make $100,000 a year? You don't think they want to make $250,000 a year? But guess what? They would rather work with young little babies and sing songs and wear hats and color and and build the hearts and minds up of the future than to go get more money. They probably they probably have all the... uh. The skills to make a fortune. I've known people who have worked on Wall Street, gave up uh, being uh, executives to go teach. They made the money. They didn't fail. It's not that those who can't do teach. No, they saw. They came. They saw. They conquered, and said, "Yeah, this this mountaintop isn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm not as fulfilled as I thought I was going to be. I thought this money was going to fill certain holes." Now I have the home I want. I don't have to worry about money. Guess what happens then? Remember what we spoke about. Now you don't have to worry about food, clothing, and shelter. And you thought that once you mastered food, clothing, and shelter, that all would be well. And you realize you were left unfulfilled. And I have friends of mine who left Wall Street that were making a quarter of a mil a year and then making more and that, and that was just their salary. Then there was the bonus, and they were living way out in Long Island, beautiful homes, Land Rover Defender for fun, the weekend toy. I'm going to pull a Defender out once a week. Woo! Living good, high on the hog. You know what they're doing now? They're teaching. Teaching. Saying, oh, no, I didn't like it, June. I'm like, so what are you teaching now? Oh, I'm teaching, um, you know, just classes, you know, in a in, um, regular community college. I love it. Love it. They do it 10, 12 hours a day. They can't stop writing. They can't stop helping. They can't stop creating workshops. They're on fire with it. Fulfilled. So at this point in time, money is a metric to money is a metric, an accurate metric for us to find out who we are. We're going to speak later on next episode. We're going to speak about, um, How to use the leverage that you may or may not have in this marketplace right now in 2021, the last quarter of 2021 going into 2022. I can't believe this year is almost over, but it is. So we're going to call this episode Money is the Root of Part 1. Until we speak again, bye-bye.